grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm Reverend Kristen Hyden, the senior pastor here at East Cobb UMC, and I'm so glad you are joining us for virtual worship today. We are kicking off a new sermon series. It's entitled, What Difference Do I Make? And throughout the next couple of weeks, we'll be looking at seemingly minor characters throughout the scriptures and highlighting the true difference that they make that they make in the lives of the people around them and the difference that they have made in all of our lives in being part of God's bigger story with God's people. I want to give you a little spoiler alert about where this sermon series is heading. It is all building up to one incredible celebration that's coming later in May, and that is Confirmation Sunday, when we will have three young folks from our congregation declare and proclaim their faith. And so throughout these next few weeks, we're going to be building up these seemingly minor stories, as I said, as a reminder of what difference we all make and what difference these teenagers, not only the difference they will make in the future, but the difference they are making now in our church and in our community. So today... I've titled the scripture or the sermon Best Supporting Actor, Jonathan. I'm grateful to Gary Mack, our youth director, who, as we were kind of brainstorming about this sermon series, he said, Well, it's really like, you know, at the Oscars, the best supporting actor and the best supporting actress. I said, Yes, that's perfect. That's it. We want to highlight those supporting roles for the story doesn't happen without them. So as I said, the the best supporting actor for today is a young man named Jonathan. Now, Jonathan is often talked about only in conjunction with his best friend, his adopted brother, David. We're reading today from 1 Samuel. We're going to read two sections of scripture. I'm going to start with 1 Samuel chapter 18, the first five verses. Now, this story picks up right after David has fought and killed Goliath, the big Philistine. Let me pick up. As soon as David had finished talking with Saul, Saul was the king at the time and Jonathan's father. As soon as David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan's life became bound up with David's life. And Jonathan loved David as much as himself. From that point forward, Saul kept David in his service and wouldn't allow him to return to his father's household. And Jonathan and David made a covenant together because Jonathan loved David as much as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his armor, as well as his sword, his bow, and his belt. David went out and was successful in every mission Saul sent him to do. So Saul placed him in charge of the soldiers, and this pleased all the troops, as well as Saul's servants. Here in this part of the story, we see the coming together of David and Jonathan. David heralded as this great hero, and Saul, the king, taking David into his house. Now, Jonathan... Saul's true son, 
could have become jealous at this point, right? Could have been envious or resentful of David. Who am I now, Dad? Nobody? I'm your true son, and yet you bring in this other? And yet there is something between Jonathan and David that brings them together. Could it be that they were kind of kindred spirits? Both daredevil warriors? For we know that Jonathan was a soldier as well. He was one that would go out into battle. So maybe that brought them together. As we read later in the story, we know that Saul will will turn on David. And so as David and Jonathan's relationship grew, it could have been out of this kind of heated relationship that they both had with Saul. For we read in the scriptures how Saul had attacked his own son, Jonathan. Whatever it was, these two came together. They came together and formed a bond. We're told in the scriptures that they formed a a covenant with one another. The book of Proverbs points to this kind of friendship that can develop. Proverbs 18 says, There are persons for companionship, but then there are friends who are more loyal than family. That is what David and Jonathan had. More loyal to one another than if they were even blood relatives. Now, as I said, the the relationship between Saul and David starts out so great where Saul brings David into his home and lifts him up as this great warrior. But soon, David becomes this great This great person that everyone is looking up to and revering. And King Saul, well, he doesn't take too kindly to that. So we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 19. Saul ordered his son Jonathan and all his servants to kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, liked David very much. Jonathan warned David, My father Saul is trying to kill you. Be on guard tomorrow morning. Stay somewhere safe and hide. I'll go out and stand by my father in the field where you'll be, and I'll talk to my father about you, and I'll tell you whatever I find out. So Jonathan spoke highly about David to his father Saul, telling him, The king shouldn't do anything wrong to his servant David because he hasn't wronged you. In fact, his actions have helped you greatly. He risked his own life when he killed that Philistine, and the Lord won a great victory for all Israel. You saw it and were happy about it. Why then would you do something wrong to an innocent person by killing David for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan and then swore, as surely as the Lord lives, David won't be executed. So Jonathan summoned David and told him everything that they had talked about. And then Jonathan brought David back to Saul, and David served Saul as he had previously. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
Now we know David will go on to be king. David will go on to do amazing, wonderful things for God and God's people. But all that could have been gone if it weren't for Jonathan. His good, close friend, his adopted brother. If it weren't for Jonathan, the story of David could and would have ended right here. And yet Jonathan, Jonathan looks at David and sees, truly sees him and sees what God has in store, who David can be, and the impact David can have in the world. And instead of, like I said, becoming jealous or or envious or resentful, Jonathan sees how he can be this best supporting role for David. To not just encourage him, to not just support him, but to stand up for him, to speak up for him. And even to go against the wishes of his true family in order to support David. When they enter into this covenant together, when Jonathan gives all of these things to David, we see that that Jonathan here is giving away his right. Right? He has a, a blood right to the throne, but he sees, no, that God has chosen David. So he gives up his right for something greater. Jonathan risks comfort and a powerful future that could have lied before him in order to follow God's choice. David Maxwell, in his commentary about this passage, he says, Jonathan realizes that David is God's preferred leader and immediately risks all to support him. And then Jonathan does what the author wants the reader to do, what, what we are to do, to risk it all, even if it means betraying family, to give up our privileges, risk it all, to follow the living God. That is what this relationship between David and Jonathan is all about. Creating this holy friendship that seeks to support one another through lifting up the divine, the holy I wonder, do we have deep, meaningful, holy friendships like this in our own lives? Friends that are more than companions, that are even closer than family, but who support and lift, who, friends who lead us and, and friends that we are able to help lead on a path that follows our faith? Are there risks that we have taken, just as Jonathan did, in order to develop and to nurture these kinds of friendships?
Unfortunately, I think in, in our society and even in the church, we tend to promote ourselves, right? We are looking out for number one. And if we've got friends around us, then great. But we've got our eye on the prize and off we go. So as I was thinking this week, what, do we even have models for this kind of friendship, this kind of relationship? And interestingly, I'll tell you who came to mind as a close relationship, a close friendship where one kind of sacrifices a bit for the other to lift the other up and to support the other. It was the the relationship, the friendship between Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon. Right? Johnny Carson, right? This great late night host who received all the fame and his sidekick, Ed McMahon. I kind of felt like they were a modern day David and Jonathan. Right, where Ed could have resented the fame that Johnny had, and yet he stayed sitting there beside him through all those years. Following Johnny Carson's death, Ed McMahon wrote a book about their friendship. It's called Here's Johnny. And in it, he talks about this unique bond that they had. He says this, Most comic teams are not good friends or even friends at all. Laurel and Hardy didn't hang out together. Abbott and Costello weren't best of friends. And Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, well, there were warmer feelings between Custer and Sitting Bull. However, Johnny and I were the happy exception. Although he was my boss, we shared the unwavering affection of a couple of equals who drove themselves to work, finally found the right wives and liked to lose themselves in drumming and singing while listening to jazz. For 46 years, Johnny and I were as close as two non-married people can be. And if he heard me say that, he might say, Ed, I always felt you were my significant other. On his farewell show, I was deeply moved when Johnny told America this. The show would have been impossible to do without Ed. Some of the best things we've done on this show have just been, well, he starts something, I start something. Ed has been a rock for 30 years, and we've been friends for 34. A lot of people who work together on television don't like each other, but Ed and I have been good friends, and you can't fake that on TV. As I think about that kind of friendship, I think that is a good and true and holy friendship where one or the other is not trying to to outdo but support, encourage, and be there. I think about in my own life those good, deep, holy friendships that I have and how they have made such an incredible impact in my life. And I think for some of those friendships, when I've told them about an 
instance or a, a word or a comment that they said along the way, they looked at me and said, really, that, that made such a difference? I said, yes, yes. Your words of support or encouragement, even when you don't know it, make a huge impact. I've mentioned to you all before my group of, of clergy moms that we've been together for over eight years now, supporting one another, encouraging one another as we've made our way through ministry and motherhood. And one of those women, Reverend Kate Floyd Tao, she's now the senior minister over at Sandy Springs UMC. She and I were in a residency group together after we graduated from seminary and then as we were going through the ordination process. And as part of that group, we would gather together once a month and two people in the group would preach a sermon every time we were together and preach it to the group and then we would have a little bit of dialogue and and critique about the sermon as we were all growing into our preaching voices. And when my turn came around, I got up in front of the group and I preached my sermon and I felt pretty good about the sermon. I thought it was, it was a pretty good one. I'd worked on it a while. And one of the men in the group was the first to comment. And he just said, wow, Kristen, I had no idea you could preach like that. Okay, I, thanks, I think. <laughs> I wasn't sure how to respond. Well, Kate spoke up immediately. And she said, well, actually, Kristen, I knew that you were capable of being such a powerful preacher. And thank you for sharing that with us. Those words, those words she spoke in that moment. And I've told her since how those words have echoed throughout my mind and my heart. What a difference that made. For her to look at me and to say, yes, of course you are capable of that. You are called by God. The Holy Spirit is working through you. Step into that, embrace that, and share that. When we ask ourselves, what difference do I make? You make a big difference. You make a big difference in the lives of so many. Even if it's just a word, a comment, a text, a card, a phone call, an email. These small gestures, they add up. Or we can make big differences through our relationships and through our friendships. This coming week, I invite you to consider what difference you can make in the lives of those around you. What words of encouragement and support can you make? Who can you speak up for as, da- as Jonathan spoke up for David? And imagine, wonder together, how the impact of that can make a world of difference. Let us pray. 
Holy Lord, our God, you put people in our lives, whether it's friends or family or passing acquaintances. Lord, open us up to these relationships, to these friendships in ways that can make a true difference, a true impact in their lives, in our lives, and in our world. Lord, may we look to this example between Jonathan and David, to the example of Ed and Johnny, and to the example of my good friend, Kate, of how we can truly support, encourage, lift up one another, develop and nurture holy friendships, and make a difference. All this we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.